Welcome to the Ape Talks. As always, this is your host, Mr. Rape. And recently I've been (laughs) talking to myself a lot. And it's interesting because when we sit down and talk to ourselves internally, it's not bizarre, it's not strange. But suddenly, if we're talking to ourselves out loud and someone sees us or interrupts us or observes us, we suddenly feel very shy and we shut up immediately, as though we know what we're doing is wrong or silly. But it's okay when we do it inside. I find that very interesting because really there's nothing wrong with with talking internally, right? But all of a sudden, when we begin to express it outside, outside the body, you know, with our mouths, orally and verbally, it's easy to be seen as crazy. (laughs) And I kind of understand where that comes from. You know, that comes from movies and entertainment and media always highlighting that, you know, in funny ways. But I really disagree with this. I really think this is this is incorrect because when you have an idea or you have a certain feeling inside inside you have this weird magical language that makes everything that you understand yourself so quickly and you don't even need to use words. You just it's a feeling that you know it. But when you try and communicate it to somebody else, that's when, you know, ideas are made or, or are really made or, bre- or they, you can really make them or you can really break them. I was trying to say that in a rhyming way, but I stuttered there. <laughs> but basically, communication is very important. And we still don't have the perfect language, the perfect global way to communicate. Maybe that will come one day. I think it was Fargo, that series. I can't remember which series or which movie I saw this in. But the way it ended, it was about a crime or something. And the way the series ended was this old guy sitting down and showing this person this this weird sign language he's invented. An international language that everyone can understand because he believed that all our problems <laughs> were... The result of miscommunication and misunderstanding and he believed if everybody understood each other and understood the internal feelings and those powerful things we have inside of us then we wouldn't have no problems you know everyone would just get along and i found that i found the writers of that show to be or that movie i can't remember where this came from but it's in my mind and i remember seeing it somewhere i just i had so much respect for whoever made that who decided to put that in the script because it is so true communication dialogue you know is is so vital to everything <laughs> especially for us human beings and if we look at you know the the creatures the, the life forms that survived the longest they were quite communication based quite communication oriented look at ants millions of years they've lasted because they communicate and they find the right balance and they kind of have a system where they work together and they feed the queen and so forth and the importance of communication today is very evident you can really really see it <laughs> wow what happens when people misunderstand each other it is devastating it is absolutely terrifying 
the real effect of miscommunication and misunderstanding is really scary. It really frightens me when just two people, two very powerful people, can't come to an understanding. Millions of people die. Millions of people's blood is shed on the ground and into the soil and the sand. And uh, it's very dark, but it's true. If only we could come to an agreement better. So many problems would just... <laughs> I know it sounds kind of wishy-washy to say it's really that simple, but I think it's quite a big thing, and it's big enough where if we we did it better, we would see a significant decrease in all the bad stuff that happens. <laughs> And uh, I forgot the, the, there's this very famous quote, I think it's from Einstein, I'm not sure, but we need to simplify th things as simple as they should be, but not too simple to where they shouldn't, you know, everything is complicated, but I like simplifying things, but at the same time, there's a limit to that, basically, that's the, that's the quote, basically, you know, I don't know it <laughs> word for word, I didn't write it down before I turned on the microphone, but the reason... I decided to turn on the microphone is I thought it would be interesting to to sit down and talk to myself for an hour and listen to it and if I like it if I if I listen to it and I sound the way I usually sound when when I'm when I'm talking to myself eternally I'm relaxed I'm comfortable I feel okay and uh I'm saying quite reasonable things then I'll then I'll put it out and I'll share it to the rest of the world but if I find what I'm saying today you know, I need some. I need more sleep, or maybe I need to go have breakfast because I'm grumpy or something like that. Then I'm definitely not going to share this. <laughs> and uh, I think that's that's something we should all apply, really. You know, so when, sometimes when we're sitting with somebody, and we're in a really bad mood, and all we should be doing in this situation is being quiet and listening and nodding, and making that f person feel listened to and heard and understood. Maybe that's what we should be doing more than, you know, being angry and yelling, you know, sometimes we need to know and we, we need to shut up and listen, and it's very, very, uh, it's not easy to do that, it's really not easy, because sometimes we feel certain ways about certain ideas the other person may be talking about, sometimes we have certain things that happened to us that day that put, put us in a certain mood for the rest of the week, you know, it's a very unstable thing, we're all mini nuclear reactors, if you look at it. We're very unstable creatures, and <laughs> it's quite scary. Things can lead to a fight, things can escalate, things can lead to a turf war, things can lead to a civil war, things can lead to nuclear destruction like we saw in with Japan and Hiroshima. Well, because somebody lacked this, had, didn't, someone, his ego, someone's ego was too big to say, okay, we lose, don't bomb the shit out of us, but that's the reality, you know, sometimes our ego gets in the way of what's right, and what's right not just for us, but for, for, for the civilians, for the people, and that's difficult to see sometimes, because ego is really scary, <laughs> And we all need to work on our egos a little bit. Uh, we all need to do, I call them ego elimination activities, where we, we do things that, not necessarily, it's not like an attack on us, but more of understanding that 
that we're not invincible, that we're not the best at everything. And we shouldn't aspire to be the best, we, according to other people. We should aspire to be the best version of ourselves, and that's good enough. A, a good example is, let's say, learning a martial art, I think is a very, very good ego elimination technique. Because first, before you even go into, let's say, uh, uh, the gym or the, the practice, you have such an idea of yourself that you you know you you'll be above average at least or something like that. Then you go in and you do the early, the beginning cardio phase and you're you're already exhausted because you haven't exercised. And then weeks later you've learned the basic moves and it's time to start sparring. And you get thrown on your back and you get all the oxygen just <sighs> exit your body like that. And you realize at that moment, wow, I am completely destructible. Yeah, <laughs> I think we all need to feel like that. The more we do, the more, the better people we become. Because what's the sad thing about reality is the the worse we are in, in situations, the nicer we are, the, the more misfortunate we are, the, the more pleasant we are with our circumstances, the more fortunate we are, the more... Uh, unsatisfied we become the more we begin to look at things as meaningless and the more we we feel empty inside and i'm not saying if you if you're poor you're you're satisfied and if you're rich you're unsatisfied of course everyone's life depends on the circumstances look at it this way i mean we're so quick to look at another human being and say they're a bad or good person we're so quick to assume and just, you know, most of us make up our minds on someone within the first few seconds we see them. When in reality, to truly understand someone, we'd have to sit there and watch it like a movie, a 30-year movie. Every minute, every second to understand why this person took every decision to the point where we can empathize. And empathy is the key word here. We need to learn truly how to empathize with each other. Because until we learn how to empathize... <laughs> We're really not going to be going anywhere, we're, except the really dark and bad places with each other. And that's the danger of it all today. I mean, each individual is so powerful, and they can, they can use that power in a good way or in a bad way. They can use that power to go inflict horrible things on other people, or they can use that power to help other people who can't, who, who can't help themselves anymore. And uh, I think, like I said, what we do in this life defi defines who we are. And like I said also earlier before that, or after that, I can't remember. <laughs> it is also important that we always carry empathy and don't judge people, basically. Because when you judge someone, <laughs> what you're doing is unfair. Imagine if you did something bad today and everyone at school said you were a bad person. For the rest of the year, everyone looked at you as a bad per person. When in reality, you just had a bad day and you made a bad decision. Is that fair? Is that fair for everyone at school to, to not like you anymore or to, to call you a bad person or, or whatever? You know, it's not. They, they need to, you know, understand you and they need to listen to you. And basically, if we all listen to each other, 
and put our egos aside and our prides aside and gave each other our ear. No matter what the other person was saying, no matter if we agreed with them or disagreed with them, but if we calmly sat down together and just listened to each other, we'd get a lot further than where we're getting these days. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, look at it this way. I know movies and the entertainment industry and all that don't always depict the right kind of person we want to be, but one thing is clear. It's always the calm person. We, we have this instinctual respect to the person with the experience, the person who stays cool in difficult situations. And because those people we have a certain aura around them to where we respect we give them respect and we give them our ear because they'll be sitting down in the table and we're all talking loudly and all of a sudden they've been quiet for 30 minutes and they just speak one sentence and we're all dead silent and we're very patient and we're so fascinated this, to hear what this person has to say. Almost like uh, those people who pretend to talk to your dead relatives on TV and tell you what they're saying. The reason those people are so powerful those people who claim to read your mind and so forth is because they do it with a certain presence and certain magical, magical way of speaking with their minds, you know. Look at the most influential gurus that have ever... Look at Osho, anyone who doesn't know I'm talking about. He's the guy from uh, the really famous documentary Wild Wild Country, I think it's called. You know, there are a lot of videos of him on YouTube. Just type in O-S-H-O. And look at the way he talks. Forget what he's saying. Forget it completely. Uh, it doesn't matter. What matters is the way he talks. Go watch a video and observe how calmly he speaks. How slowly he raises his hand and makes these weird, you know, things to, to show you how he feels. The magic of his hands, the magic of his eyes. His smile, the jokes he throws in there, because comedy is very important to uh, breaking walls between people, between the listener and the speaker. When you laugh, your walls are down, and you only laugh at the truth as well. So, it's very interesting how important communication is, and that's kind of going to be the theme today. <laughs> I don't know, I think we all need to, <laughs> to, to learn how to speak calmer. And, and if you want to be cool, just talk really calm, <laughs> I think. I think. Also, this, this whole idea of being cool, it's very interesting because it changes, right? What's cool today is not cool in 10 years. What's, uh, what's fashionable is not fashionable. And so forth with time as it fluctuates. But uh, what's, some, what's something really funny to me, it's always been really funny, is how, how people try really hard to be cool. Because in, really they just want to be, who they are is cool. But, but they become uncool when they try to be cool. And that, that, uh, the irony in that is just hilarious. Because if everybody, if everybody really didn't care about fitting in, they would fit in. Isn't that weird? Look at it this way. People run away from you when you need them 
when you crave people and you need them and you're desperate for them, people run away from you. But when you're the calmest cucumber in the pack, everyone wants to be around you because you're fun and you're relaxing to be around and <clears throat> to listen to and talk to and so forth. I mean, it's because we all want to fit in, right? That's because we all want to be friends. We all want to get along. And we all want to be part of the community. community. But uh, the reality is, if, let's say, you were raised with, 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 in a situation where you didn't get enough love, where your dad wasn't there, where, when your mom didn't tell you she loved you, when you needed to hear it enough, things like that, when your friends, you know, you didn't really get any friends, things like that really affect how people end up and it's because it takes two different mentalities. You can give a person a perfect childhood, but they can also turn out not to be a very happy person. And you can give a person a very rough childhood, and they can also turn out to be the most ecstatic person and vice versa. Inherently, this is because it's all about mentality. It's all about the way you choose to look at the way the things happen. You can look at the way that things happen either because this world, this universe is punishing you. <laughs> Which a lot of people look at it that way. A lot of people, when they do bad things, they, instead of internally talking to themselves, it's okay, I had a bad thing today, but I understand it's bad and I'll try and recognize it next time. They will talk to themselves like their worst nightmare. They will be their number one abuser. They will punish themselves. They will, they will talk to themselves like they are trash. And... Uh, it may sound as simple as positive mentality and negative mentality, but it goes much more than that. It definitely does. It's, it's more, more to do with uh, your empathy, that key word. If, if you had empathy towards yourself overall, because you, you cannot have empathy to anyone else before you have empathy towards yourself. A lot of self-help books about love... <laughs> They always start out, the really good ones, the ones that make sense, start off by telling you that you need to fix yourself first. You need the mind, body, and spirit, right? You can't, you can't, you can't expect anyone to, to sacrifice until you've f sacrificed enough to where you're where you want to be in life. Because let's say even if you're not where you want to be and you find someone who cares about you, your ego might not let you might make you feel so ashamed that you start taking it out on that person who cares about you. And that's kind of the sad thing. <clears throat> we all need to be okay with who we are, where we are today. Even though you may not be happy and you want to make some changes, that's great. But you have to accept where you are today. Some people say, you know, it's okay to, it's, you need hate to, to motivate you. But at the same time, that's eh, different for everyone. You need to find what motivates you to, to, to make the changes that you want to be. God damn it, I sound like a like one of those preachers on YouTube that scams everyone for their money now. But you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you can't punish yourself all the time. Well, sure, you do bad things. Sure, sometimes people need to be punished. But at the same time, you have to you have to learn how to... Be compassionate towards yourself. Because look at yourself as a dog. Look, look at the way a dog is trained, right? That's the way you need to look at yourself. If you hit the dog, the dog bites back. Whereas, this is the way we do it. 
but I don't know if this is the best way, but the, when you deprive the dog of your attention, the dog understands what it did is wrong and, you know, will, will not do it again. But when you yell at the dog, the dog doesn't understand it. And we're really that simple. Even though we may be conscious, intelligent beings, we're still apes inherently. And we still need to be talked to gently. And we need, you always need to talk to yourself as if you were your, your mother. You know, you were your caring mother. How would your mother tell you this? How would the most compassionate mother in the world look at you after you did this bad thing? Will she shame you and beat you? Or she'll look at you and tell you, honey, I love you, but that was a bad thing. And I don't want to sound like, you know, <laughs> like this is a weak thing to do, but it's the right thing to do. Very strong people are very emotionally intelligent people because it's the weak people that believe that they need to make fun of these things and these feelings and look at it as, you know, woman-like and weak and uh, not manly and all that. When in reality, you need to be... Because if you're not honest to yourself, you're not going to be strong enough to go through life, go through really difficult periods of life. You'll be shattered in the worst possible times where you need to shatter yourself in controlled environments. Because <laughs> when you break in difficult situations, it can have difficult consequences. So it's better to, to break earlier in a controlled environment. And when I say break, what I mean is realize when you've done bad things and recognize it and realize when you were wrong and, and, uh, and basically destroy your own ego. <laughs> and uh, we, we can never delete the ego completely. And we need it. This, it gives us personality. A little bit of arrogance is okay. A little bit of cockiness is okay. Too much of it, people start disliking you. A little bit helps you move forward. It's, we all need the right balance of everything. You know, we're all a, a chemical soup. And we're all looking for that right concoction for everyone else. Uh, when we really should be focusing on our own soup. Does it need more salt? Does it need more pepper? Is, is the seasoning, seasoning right? Does it need more vegetables and so forth? Is it yummy and tasty from the first sip? Does it need a couple more hours to brew and to get more defined? And does the taste need this and that and so forth? We kind of need to do that with ourselves. You know, let's say I want to be the best onion tomato soup. That's my dream in life. But really right now, I'm just a plain water soup with some salt. You know, I'm a very salty <laughs> pot of soup. What can I do to be this delicious and savory tomato soup that everyone wants to taste? You know, what what, what can you do to do that? You know, look at, look at it that way. Come up with simple and attainable objectives that reach of the end uh, which is being the perfect tomato onion soup that is so savory and yummy and well refined and just been sitting in that stewing just for the right perfect time and shit you know that that's what you want to be right then you got to make these small goals okay i need some onions all right i'm gonna spend a year working on my onion game all right, now we're to now we're just water, salt, and onions. But hey, we're better than just water and salt. All right, next thing is we're gonna need some olive oil to get, get give everything some flavor and some context. You know, slowly you work and then you get there. You can't be too ambitious, and you don't just get an onion. You know what I mean? Who gets an onion? You get you get small slices and slithers here and there, and you work your. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. This is just I'm just, I'm just getting hungry right now. Here's a really cheesy joke that uh, 
I usually tell, this is how I would make friends, I remember. Because I learned from a very early age. We touched on this earlier, but the key to making anyone agree with you or breaking any walls between another person is humor. It's not yelling at them and preaching to them and whatever, it's, it's humor. If you really want someone to see things through your eyes and break down the walls, you got to come off as someone friendly enough to, to make them laugh. And if you can't be humorous, then at least be quiet and patient enough to listen to someone else. You know, now I'm sounding preachy, but you know what I'm trying to say. So one thing I would do, because I recognized from an early age at my school that I needed to be funny. If I didn't want to get beat up, I didn't want to get strong, and I didn't know how to get how to fight, I needed to be funny to stay alive. You know, we all need to find our own ways to survive. Everyone, But for me, I realized humor was important. So I'd tell these silly jokes to people, and you know, some people would laugh, some people would give me a, a you know, a good fist to the face. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's how it was. Anyway, one, one of the cheesiest jokes that I'd always tell is, two snakes are slithering through the desert, and one asks the other, am I poisonous? Hmm. And the other looks at the other snake and asks, why would you ask such a silly question? And the first snake responds by saying, I just bit my tongue. And you know what? It's a dad joke. It's a cheesy joke. It's a silly joke. But it's a, at least puts a little smile on your face. And it kind of breaks this small little wall. I saw this very funny commercial error, like I think a few years ago of, of Trident, the chewing gum brand, of where uh, this father is sitting next to this boy who's dating his daughter. And his daughter is in the room getting ready. And they're sitting on the couch, and there's a big piece of ice. And they say, try to break the ice, you know? It was really funny. But basically, humor is a very important part to breaking walls with strangers. And uh, to breaking walls with even people you love. and Because your family are usually the most difficult people to convince. The people who know you the most are usually the hardest people to convince about what you think, what you feel, whatever. Because they're used to all your perspectives and all your ideas, and they know exactly what you what you'll talk about and what you'll rant about. So let's say you you come in today, <clears throat> and you see the person who bullies you, the, like this girl. Let's say this girl te teases you every day, right? You walk into school and you see her, and she looks at you, and she's getting ready to play the game you play with her every day. This mental warfare game. Just completely shatter everything by saying, by the way, you look lovely today. Because they won't even know what to do with that. And usually when boys and girls fight in when they're young, it's because they like each other. You know what I'm saying? So breaking that, shattering that won't just make it very interesting. A very interesting thing to observe will happen. But it'll also probably, it'll be very funny to watch this person not know how to behave. And every time they bombard you with a with an attack, respond with love. Say something sweet. Because this will just shock people. And and then two things might happen. You might pull it off in such a way where it's funny and humorous and cool. People might like you. Another thing might happen is where uh, you won't pull it off right. People will make fun of you for a little bit, but at least they'll get bored of making fun of you. And I remember my dad... He's very, very, he's probably one of the most peaceful, peaceful men I know on, on this planet. Because, you know, he had a very crazy life. 
and uh, you know a lot of people died around him. Crazy life, crazy story. So when uh, <laughs> when I was going to school, right, he would always tell me if anyone ever hit you in the face, you tell them thank you and you walk away. <laughs> this, this was legit word to word my father's advice on how to deal with these situations. You know where my mother would tell me the opposite: don't let anyone hit you. You know. No, no, no. So I was conflicted, but as a boy, you listen to your dad, you know, you you know, you have to listen to him. So you, I did what my dad said. And uh, first, it kind of worked, but people would be like, people who were just having a bad day at school would be like, you know what, Ramsey's not going to fight back. Boom. <laughs> so uh, it, it, it depends, you know, none of this stuff works. It depends, it all depends on the end of the day. But th some things are likely, more likely to work than other things. Being the guy that everyone l looks looks to, to 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 smile is better than being the guy that everyone looks at to hit. And it's very difficult to make that transition. You know, it's it's very unstable the land of the school, the land of, even it's like prison, it's like office. It's all the same. You know, it's all this big community that we all have to be there for. It's like the army, it's, it's all, it's all these things are like each other, really. And first impressions are really important, like they tell prisoners, you have to hit the first guy that looks at you wrong so no one hits you and whatever. And There's all these things that you try and prepare for. But really the best way to deal with it is not to overthink it. When I was really young, every time I would have a date of a girl I really, really was excited to go out on a date with, I, wouldn't, I would, couldn't stop thinking all night about how I was going to ask her out tomorrow and how I was going to say this I would sit down crafting and overthinking everything and when when the time would come I would be very shy and I would completely blow it because I had overthought it so much and I had put so much stress on it not happening and oh my god it would be the worst thing in the world if this didn't happen the way I wanted it to be this girl was the girl of my dreams and so forth and and then I realized, a few, like, probably around university, my time in university, that it, the secret was not to not not to let that do, not not to not to give the person you like that much power over you, where you look at them as this deity, as this goddess, or the girl, this perfect guy, or whatever. You know, look at everyone as another human being, just as flawed and as perfect as you are, because we are. All, all flawed and we are no one is as perfect as you see them and no one is as bad as you see them you know we're all we're all complicated little creatures <laughs> and you gotta treat it that way and you gotta approach things in a calm way which is the another big thing i'm talking about today calmness you know when you go up to someone calmly you tend to get to, to where you want to get instead of where you go up to someone being stressed and afraid and nervous and desperate you don't really get there you might get there out of pity but you don't really get there and that's really important it's it's very important to remain calm and unmoved especially around people who are trying to move you and provoke you because when you give those people the satisfaction they know they can get to you that's why they tell fighters before a fight don't show pain because that's when you that's when the opponent gets an extremely big boost of confidence that oh, oh I'm damaging him I can take him now I can win this fight that's why it's very important to 
you know, it's important to be honest, but at the same time, when it's about life or death, or fitting in or not fitting in, or all these little things, sometimes you have to play these games. But you don't have to play those games according to anyone else. Play them according to your own rules. Make up your own rules. Don't be the guy who follows the other people's rules, you know? Again, if someone has, you know, a decent set of rules, why not? But kids, you know, in schools don't usually have that. They usually have, like, silly childish rules that, ew, if you do this and do that, you're, ew, you touch the girl, you have cooties and all these little things we do <laughs> when we're kids. And it's so similar to school. Another thing, I, when I finished school, like, I couldn't believe it. And then when I finished university, I couldn't believe it. And then when I worked, I couldn't, it's all so similar. An office is just like a school. An army base is just like a high, uh, like a university. It's all the same, just a bit different here and there. These communities, these communities are exactly the same. These silly laws we learn in school will follow us to these different communities. You'll be sitting there, and Janet will come by your cubicle and tell you that Josh and Greg are getting together tonight at the bar. Well, we're here to talk about our boss and whatever. You should come join. And you're so shy because you really like Janet. And it's just like in high school when Sarah would come up to you and and Melissa would smile at you and you wouldn't know. And it's all the same stuff. It's all it's all the same game. It's all the same thing. And when you realize that, you start taking things a bit easier. Because another big thing, which is a lot to do with calmness, is taking things too seriously. Because people who lose are the people who take things way too seriously. And people may misinterpret what I'm saying by taking things too serious. You know, of course, some things, you shouldn't be laughing at someone's face when they're telling you their father just died or something like that. But at the same time, people who constantly are taking life so seriously all the time they're just going to die of stress and they're not going to get anywhere and everyone's just going to look at them as a toxic person who just is always talking about negative things that's the reality if you want me if you want the honesty because people who take things way too serious and are so easily triggered and angered and won't go anywhere in the real world they won't go anywhere no they won't oh no they won't at all and it's very important to, to, to be cool-headed and to laugh at everything. I don't care what the hell happened to you today. I don't care if a bomb blew up your living room. You should be able to go out and smile. That you, look at how beautiful the sun is at least today. At least I still have my limbs. At least I still walked away with my life. At least, you know, I, put, I have some food in my belly. At least I have some water in my stomach. At least I still have my family. At least the person I love is still alive. At least... I still have this thing I had, whatever, you know what I'm trying to say, <laughs> I ran out of examples, <laughs> but there's a lot of things to be thankful for, and nothing is worth your stress, ever, ever, so if someone you really hate is trying to get under your skin, if, if you want, if, even though, I, you know, it's, we should always try and work on who we hate, and we should always internally try and accept these people, but let's say, you know, we're not there yet. We're, we're trying to deal with someone we really hate and they're really trying to get under your skin. You will never go anywhere if you, if you do, if you let them. If you let them crawl under your skin. Like worms, you know? No. You have, to, you have to accept them. First off, the way you do that is by not putting so much weight on you, on your ego. Like, who do they think 
they are to talk about this being who is so special. How dare they? The first step is to accept that anyone can say anything about you and it's okay. Because everyone should be able to say whatever the hell they want about you. And it doesn't, and shouldn't really matter because it's just one person's perspective. You know, even if it's not true, then it's not true. If you're honest about it, if someone says something and it's true, then maybe it's something to consider. That's another thing. But you shouldn't be angry at anyone who tries to provoke you. You know, we're all equal. We're all little demons in this world in our own little ways. Especially the people who see themselves as the most good. Those are usually the most evil of the, of people. So, you know, don't underestimate yourself in both ways, in good and bad ways. You don't underestimate what you're capable of. And don't underestimate what others are capable of. So even if, just because you hate someone, and if they say something true, don't let them make you not do it. Because it's something you need to work on or something like that. You see what I'm trying to say? So that's the first step, to be willing to accept anything to be said to you and to be willing to be swayed to any opinion. I'm not saying to be gullible, but you know what I mean. Like, have an open mind when you talk to people. Another thing is, you should be willing to understand where people's anger comes from. Even though that, that bully said this thing to me today, and even though that might be true, I need to lose some weight or whatever, at the same time, the reason he said it to me in this angry way where he was saying it in the most hurtful way this person could. Who knows what, what someone said to him yesterday or who knows what happened to him this morning. You always have to look at it with empathy because that's the only way we can forgive each other and that's the only way we can accept one another. So I have this theory. I think if everybody had like a healthy way to express themselves every day, then we would really have a lot less conflict with one another. Because look at it this way. Let's say you, you were not happy with where you were today and you were looking at yourself in the mirror and you were attacking yourself and, you know, you were, you were compounding all the problems in the world in that, into that person in the mirror. <laughs> You're not really going to go anywhere positive with that, you know? Where instead you take all all these feelings you have and all this rage and all the all the things you don't understand and that confuse you and that anger you and you put them into something constructive, something that's fulfilling and something that's you know makes you feel a little bit useful. I think that would make us all feel a little bit better about ourselves and about each other as well, and make us more understanding and willing to listen. Of course. We have stubborn people, but, you know, it's going to help. And, of course, most of us don't know what that is, especially if you're young. You're still trying to figure that out. The journey of a man who's young is to figure what those things are, even though it may not look like this man has a purpose. He is he's in the process of finding things. And the only way we can find what we're supposed to do is by trying things, all right? So... By, by being in different places, by being in different communities, by being in different countries, by trying different activities, by trying different sports, by trying different jobs, by trying to hang out with different groups of people, by meeting interesting people, by going to different, different crazy locations that you would not even picture going to for bizarre reasons. And that's really the secret to, to finding that. It's, it's to try as many things as possible. Because you won't, you, won't you won't find that, that purpose 
uh, if you're just not doing anything and not trying different things and not, not learning about new things or maybe learn a language and trying to communicate with a new group of people because then you'll understand this. I like the way these people think and I want to live with these people now because the way they communicate. You know what I mean? You have to be proactive with that stuff because if you can get to a point where you find something you really like to do and you can take out all that all these emotions into that art or into that activity or into that sport or into that job or whatever it kind of fulfills you it kind of it really it makes things a lot better because when you don't have that it's you need to medicate yourself with uh, bad habits with different substances with uh, negative negative ways of looking at the world and blaming blaming everybody and uh, and being lazy, you become, you don't become who, you're, you, you, who you, you, your potential is, you know, you really miss out there, because if you had the patience, if you had the willingness to try, and to the different things that may be weird to you, or scary, or you don't really understand, or maybe go against what you think is cool, or whatever, that stuff is really what kind of helps you find the important thing for you, because if we all did that thing, <laughs> I, was, I was talking to a really good friend of mine, and uh, he was ask, he was telling me he didn't know what to do with his life. You know, he was kind of bored. He knows he wants to make money. He wants he knows he wants to be financially independent. He knows he wants to be rich. And I told him, listen, these goals are really bland. They're not very like everyone wants to be happy. If you ask anybody what they want in their life, they'll always say, I want to be happy. I want to be happy, this and that. <laughs> Don't we all? You know what I mean? It's like, what do you want today? Huh? Uh, you know, we only get to the problem of existential crisis when we're not surviving anymore. When we're, when we're comfortable is when we become, when we reach the point of existential, existential crisis issues, you know. Because people who are in really poor countries who are surviving, they, their job is just to put food in their stomach today and to find a place to sleep. They're not really worried about their passion. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? I mean, they don't care. But they're just there. And to them, that's their, that's their thing, is surviving. And maybe they have a little thing. Maybe they do a little bit of Muay Thai, you know, to, to let out that energy. But uh, to, to those people, that's their thing, is staying alive, to... The civilized people, to Western people, to you know, fortunate people. Who I'm not saying all Western people are rich or all Western people. You know, there's a lot of homeless people in the world, and that's a very difficult situation. I think it's more difficult to be to be poor in developed countries, and a lot of people might disagree with me, but look at it this way. In really underdeveloped countries, if you're poor, the job opportunity is much bigger. For, for people with no experience, right? That you can recover easier. People are more community-based. People, you, your neighbor might be willing to take you in. You might be able to find a job as a farmer in this village and so forth. It's easier to actually go back to get up on your feet again. Whereas, let's say you're homeless in California, in that very famous street, I forget the name of it. Oh my God, what can you do? What, what, what can you do in that situation? Really, if you are homeless, you are completely helpless. You Let's say you have a tent with your things in it. You can't go out looking for a job because someone might steal everything you have. 
you know it, it is so so dangerous and difficult the, the job market for people with your experience I'm, I'm assuming you know some people have I've heard stories of people who are with who have PhDs who are homeless you know something wrong with this we need to fix this this is something dangerous something broken something needs to be fixed there but anyway I forgot what I was saying <laughs> I, I, I was trying to make a point on something who knows what it was I seem to be uh, very forgetful and a lot of people used to get really offended from me when I was uh, till now this happens sometimes with people who get to know me and I forget their names and are you playing a game with me you know they, they think I'm playing these weird games where I'm, I'm pretending to be cool not to know their names or something but when I was a child, I ate mercury once, and ever since, <laughs> I'm not lying, I, I popped a thermometer in my mouth, and I just ate it. I was really bored that day. Just I was lighting it, and it boiled, and it popped, and it just flew right into my throat, the, the, the weird mercury liquid. And kind of, kind of, I think, I don't really, it's not from that day on I had bad memory, but I also got hit in the head a lot. I've been knocked out a few times. You know, I've had a concussion here and there. I've had a few motorcycle accidents. And uh, I, I just don't have great memory. So I remember uh, a lot of the times where I would really like people. People I really liked. I just sometimes I couldn't remember their names unless they were so memorable and the community was small enough to where I had enough time to... I would hear the name a hundred times every day for a few days, you know, and be able to pick it up. But if you tell me your name once, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to remember who you are. So I'm, I remember once uh, in school, I think this was in high school, I couldn't remember who this girl's name was. And I just, I just, you know, I was trying to address her and I didn't know what to call her. And I just, did, I just didn't say anything. I said, excuse me, you, um, and something like that. And she looked at me and she said, are you pretending not to know my name to be cool? Like, oh, no, no, no. Is that what you're trying to do? So listen, miss, I really cannot remember your name. It's nothing against you. Yada, yada, yada. And she was so furious. And it was interesting because looking at it back back then, you know, what, what, why would that have made her so curious? You know, as a child, I didn't really look at it that way. But now I kind of see it as something, there's something personal with that person where somebody did that to her at one point or something similar happened that triggered another emotional reaction and that's how we should be looking at everyone when someone let's say someone comes up to us and knocks us right out you know not per i don't know if my dad's advice is true to everyone or anyone should even do that i think that's stupid to let people punch you in the face but there's something interesting in every idea right there's something to be taken and something to be learned and something to appreciate it in every theory and concept and idea nothing is completely worthless so you know, maybe we should give give time to just, before anything happens or after something happens, just sit down and look at it and try and understand it. Because we'll be surprised. And maybe one day we can ask the other person about it in a way where, you know, we can break the ice with a joke and let them know we're not trying to do anything bad to them. We just want to understand why this happened. And they'll tell you maybe something like, Something like like a wall, a word, you know, a wall sentence. I call these wall phrases. They're just you know something to hide the truth. And then you slowly pick out that wall with a little pickaxe, and 
you break those stones down and you sit down and you get the, you say something vulnerable about something that happened to you and then you shut up and listen and then you understand when they start talking and they start talking about how their father did this to them when they were a kid and you know what i mean you get to places with people you build connections you make friendships by doing that and that's something important you know i think we all need friendships these days in this you know technological age of everyone wants to be independent and families are shrinking and less and less people say they have even a, one best friend anymore and stuff we need to remember how to you know retain friendships i mean most of the people i call don't answer and i'm shocked like some friends who i'm tied with in my small group pick up the phone and say hey what's up you know what's been going on and we talk some people they just don't know how to answer a phone anymore that's something I think a lot of us need to work on, our communication, which has been the whole underlining theme of this. C communication, calmness, and I want another C word, so it'll be cool. <laughs> Clarity? No, so I'm not going to force it, whatever. But you see what I'm trying to say. We all need to learn how to communicate better. Because this age of texting, I don't want to sound like a grandpa, but... Whenever I'm talking to somebody and they start texting me, I tell them, listen, can we just move to a call? Because this whole text conversation, oh, I remember when I was a kid, well, I mean, why do I say kid? When I was a young man, a high school student, you know, I don't want to make anyone who's young, you know, feel, feel bad for some reason. So when I was a young man, when I was in high school, I remember I used to put so much weight on texting. It was such a big deal and I wanted to learn the secrets of it and how to make people, you know, like me and all that. And when in reality, you should always just pick up the phone and call someone. It's it, like, remember the, earlier how today I said, when I just told a girl, like, uh, you look beautiful today or something like that. And I shattered, I shattered her entire perspective today and she didn't know what to say. The same thing, a girl likes to play games or a guy who likes to play games with these weird texting and waiting for an hour, responding, saying things like that, and nothing clear, nothing. You can't really understand what the emotion behind that text is because you can't see a face and you can't put the reaction to it. Just call that person in the middle of it. While, they're, while you see those three dots, tick, 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 just call them. Give them a heart attack. Hello? Yeah, what's up, man? Let's just talk on the phone. It's easier. Trust me. It's much better that way. You'll get to the point in five minutes instead of spending a week going back and forth every hour sending a word and an emoji and whatever. And there's nothing wrong with texting. It also can be efficient. But I think texting is not good for the building of initial relationships. You know, I know if it's a stranger, it's weird. But like, let's say you know someone from school. You know, if you just have a quick thing you want to say to each other, sure, that's texting is very, very effective and useful technology. But... Just pick up the goddamn phone and call them. You know what I'm saying? They'll just get there much easier and much quicker. And uh, I mean, everyone goes home sooner <laughs> in the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I was uh, <laughs> when I was in kindergarten. I used to have these two lies that I would tell everyone, everybody, every single person in kindergarten. I would tell them these two lies. And the, the first lie would be, I had my own secret Dexter's laboratory in my closet that had a secret entrance to it and I had a giant laboratory. And the second lie was that I hunted a shark and killed it with my bare hand. Bear in mind, this is me if, I don't know how old you are in kindergarten, what, three, four, five years old? 
I was telling these people this every day. <laughs> this was my story, and people would always come up and tease me about it. And some people would believe me because of the kids, you know. And I remember many years later, I started talking to some of these people who were in kindergarten with me, and and they were they reminded me of this. They told me, "Don't you remember?" And I said, "Yes, I do. I cannot deny this. I must admit it. This is silly, and this is true, but it's funny at the same time." And I I, I started wondering, you know what? How, how did I come up with these two lies and why did I say them? You know, why do we lie like this? You know, silly lies like this. Of course, there are times where you have no choice but to lie because your life is on the line, but those times are rare. Most of the time, it's not good to lie. Of course, there are exceptions, but like this situation, obviously, I was just lying for some silly reasons. And ever since, I've been worrying. I've been lying less and less every year. I've been working on it. And uh, I remember... <laughs> I remember thinking about it like, you know what, why, why did I lie about that? And as a young boy, you want attention, you know, you want, you want to be that, you want to be heard, you want to kind of be, you kind of want to be listened to, and you want, you want people to be like, wow, ha ha ha, that's cool, you know, you want that feeling of recognition. And um, even if you give, you can't give a child enough attention. I mean, look, you, we cannot, we cannot talk bad about parents here, it is very difficult when you're dealing with a very active child to constantly be like yes mom yes yes I see cool wow do you paint that of course we have to do our best as parents but there's only a certain limit we can tolerate in a day I have to be fair to parents you know <laughs> in the end of the day it's very difficult so kids they as much as they crave it they, they still need more so they go up to say certain things when they're sitting with the family because they're all talking about serious things and the kid wants the attention back on him. Look at me, I just, look at me, look at me, and here's a lie. And then the first time you do it, you see that, wow, everyone is giving me attention. I said this lie about this guy being killed on the street that I saw yesterday, it never happened. Now everyone's giving me attention. And uh, I realized that that's the, that's, the whole, that's the whole reason most people give white lies. In my opinion, most of the time, we just wanted some quick attention, quick dose of attention, which, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm not going to say sad, it's just reality. We need to find better ways, is what we need to understand, of getting that attention. You know, maybe we're not sitting with the right group of people, because we, we, what we should be able to do is sit calmly, maybe sit in a smaller group of people, people more like, like level-headed as you, or maybe people who are smarter than you, so you can, you can go somewhere further mentally. But as well, people who are patient and will give you the ear. Because like I said, listening and communication is big. Giving someone your ear just for a little bit makes a huge different difference on how they feel, how they are, how, how nice they'll be to the people around them. Because when you're nice to someone, they could be nice to everyone around them. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a butterfly effect, really. It's a ripple effect or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's really cool. Small, small little things you can do. And you can also do small, really bad things to people. It can have a, a, a butterfly effect where it leads to someone's death in another country. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy. It's crazy how connected we are. And a lot of people didn't realize this until the coronavirus broke out. And all of a sudden we realize if one guy is sick in China, everyone can get sick within a, within a few months in the world. And... Because everyone is connected, and community, as much as technology disguises this person-to-person -person community, it's still there. You know, you just don't see it. Go, go to Cambodia for a year. Go, go fly to, to, let's see, to to Hua Hin in Thailand. Go, go spend a week 
in Vietnam, you know, you, you'll see this in Southeast Asia, you'll see this in certain countries, in, in, in poor areas of the Middle East. Go to Dahye in Beirut, you know, you'll see that. Go to, go to these communities, you see everyone, it's so different from, from like a city in, in uh, let's say, Germany, where everyone is so isolated or whatever. To be honest, German people are really cool, in my opinion. They're very nice. And another very underestimated thing about Germany, in my opinion, they have the best pastries and the best wine I've ever had in my life in Germany. Another very underrated country is Italy for its olive oil. Italy, I mean, sorry, sorry, not Italy, Spain, Spain. Spain's olive oil, in my opinion, destroys Italy's olive oil. It's just Italy has that reputation with pasta and foods that go well with olive oil. But Spain does not just have the best olive oil in the world. In my opinion, they have the best open seafood markets that make these little little things that are like worms that are squeezed through. You know how beef looks like, like uh, ground beef? Kind of like that, but it's fish and it's rubbery and delicious. And they put a little bit of olive oil and they put it on a piece of bread and they give it to you in Spain. Oh my God. And the best pepper in the world that I've ever had is in, in Cambodia, a place called Kampot. That's where the best pepper in the world comes from. So there you go. Best pastries, Germany. Best pepper, Cambodia. And best olive oil, Spain. I don't know how we got here, but hey, sometimes we go where we... <laughs> sometimes we... I don't know where I'm driving. I just get out on the, on the bike and I take a drive. So thank you for getting this far. And uh, I think I've talked enough because now I'm... I'm I'm going I'm going all over the place. So Mr. Rape, signing off.